Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Today's Prospects and Props podcast, Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner here with you once again on the show. Hope everybody is having a great start to their Wednesday. We've got a fun one in store for you here today because Jamie and I, I think, are going to be opposite ends of the spectrum here when we discuss some of the rookie wide receiver props that we have for 2023. Uh, The early returns are who will have more touchdowns in the 2023 regular season with four names for us to pick from and those same four names available to be selected for who will have the most receiving yards in 2023. And Jamie, if it's okay with you, I would like to cede all of the time to set this up and tell everybody, I think, the order that we should go in, and then I will let you speak. So motion motion cleared? Motion cleared. And I think the one thing I do want to say before you do that is that these are rookies, um, in yes. case it's not clear. We, we, we will get into yes. the league-wide stuff as we get into June and July. If I didn't but say rookies. Is that is rookies. my apologies. But I thought I did. But if I did not, my apologies. Uh, so here is what we are going to do. I'm going to give you the odds for all of these players. And then I think it's important for us to go individually, player by player, and look at the situation that they find themselves in. And then we will circle back at the end to answer the question from the prop at hand. So who will have the most touchdowns in the 2023 regular season out of these four rookie wide receivers? Quinton Johnston, plus 150. Jordan Addison, plus 220. Jackson Smith and Jigba, plus 225. And Zay Flowers, plus 450. Who will have the most receiving yards in the 2023 regular season? The order is not going to surprise you. It's the same order uh, that the guys were in uh, for the previous prop, but the odds are a little different. Plus one. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm incorrect. The odds have changed. I was to say. Oh, they, my they goodness. I did not see this. Jordan Addison is the favorite at plus 190. Quinton Johnston uh, in second with pl- at plus 200. Jackson Smith and Jigba at plus 210. And Zay Flowers at plus 400. I think I, what I saw was those last two names were the same. And in my head, I was like, oh, it's, it's the same. It you did, is not. You assumed. So, okay, who do you want to start with, Jamie, from a situation perspective, evaluating their year one 2023 situation? And we're just talking about them on the field, the the room that they're in, the opportunity, and we're going to go case by case, and then at the end we'll answer the problem. Okay, well, let's just talk about the guy that's the distant fourth in both of these, and that's Zay Flowers, Um, a guy I know we both like a lot from a talent perspective, lands in Baltimore, uh, he's he's the furthest odds, plus 450 on the touchdowns, plus 400 on the receiving yards. And I think what makes him an interesting player this year is obviously he enters uh, an, an intriguing wide receiver room uh, with Rashad Bateman, Odo Beckham Jr., Devin Duvernay. Uh, he enters a receiving room that's going to be executing a new offense this year from what we are used to seeing in Baltimore. Todd Munkin comes over as a new OC replacing Greg Roman. Uh, I expect and basically assuming off of uh, reading between the lines of Lamar Jackson's comments so far in OTAs, he also expects to be throwing the ball significantly more this year. Uh, There's an interesting argument with him because who is the true wide receiver one in Baltimore right now? And is there a possibility that the rookie could end up being that go-to option, whether due to injury or performance by the end of the season? I'm going to speak out of both ends of my mouth here. I am going to... Classic. I'm going to make the pro Zay Flowers case, and I'm going to make the anti Zay Flowers case for him to already be the wide receiver one. You love him. 
You love him not. Thank you. That's a very you good You love bit. him. That's a very good bit. You love him not. Uh, I, I'm going to make the case that he might already be the wide receiver one. Because I think when you look at this into 2023, Jamie, I, I think we still like the idea of Rashad Bateman. I don't know if we know a whole lot about actual on the football field Rashad Bateman. Do we have a big enough sample size to be able to answer that question? I think we like the idea of Odell Beckham Jr. if he's 100% healthy. But I'm sorry, you come off of a major knee surgery and then you sat out an entire year rehabbing said knee injury, it's going to take you a little bit. I don't know if it's three weeks. I don't know if it's six weeks. I don't know if it's 10 weeks. It might take him a little bit to get back into the flow of the NFL speed. There's a big difference between training and rehabbing and getting yourself ready completely away from the game of football and then putting that helmet back on and running routes and going through OTAs and going through training camp and playing those limited preseason snaps and going through everything that you're going to put that knee through in order to get back on the field. So I think that's a big question mark. So I think as we sit here in 2023... There is a open competition for who the wide receiver one is. And when I mean wide receiver one, I mean the guy that's going to get the lion's share of the targets. The guy at the end of the season that is going to have the most targets of these three guys. I think as we sit here right now, that competition is completely wide open. So to me, Zay Flowers, even though he's coming in as a rookie, is on very similar playing field to Odell Beckham Jr. and to Rashad Bateman in my mind. So to me, he has just as good of a chance to be the wide receiver one by the time the season begins than all these other guys. Now, the anti-Zay Flowers uh, argument, he's a rookie and he's a wide receiver. And rookie wide receivers do take some time unless you're the elite of the elite, unless you're Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Garrett Wilson we've seen over the last couple of years, Justin Jefferson, his rookie season, unless you're in that creme de la creme, it takes you a little bit. It takes some time for you to learn. You're learning a new offense. You're learning new different teammates. Lamar is going to probably throw the ball more than he's ever had before. What does that, what does that look like for Lamar? Does he, does he throw the ball more to the guys that he's worked with before, like Rashad Bateman? And just based on that account alone, there's that chemistry. And so that would be the anti-argument for me for Zay Flowers. But I think you can make those two cases simultaneously, and both people that would make those cases would be correct. Yeah, and, and, and I think it becomes interesting. And, and some of it, too, is, is what you project the passing volume for the offense he's going to be in. And I actually think it's going to be fairly significant, uh, at least compared to what it was before. Can I ask you a question? Uh, and, and, sure. Do you think there is going to be, and I don't, I'm going to try to play psychology here. Do you think there is going to be an emphasis from Todd Monken of, yeah, I'm going to throw more because I'm going to show to everybody that this is different. Like he's going to go out of his way early to kind of make the statement of, this is a brand new Baltimore Ravens offense. This is a new era of Ravens football. Do you think there's part of that that could play, could play up maybe in the first month or so? Yes and no. Uh, I don't think that's the reason. I think if you just look back at what Todd Munkin's offenses have looked like in the NFL, they have been very pass heavy. Uh, even going back to an era that, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but like it wasn't, you know, we've gotten more pass heavy uh, in the NFL in general since the last time Munkin's run an offense in the NFL. So uh, I, I think this is going to go from a team that was probably throwing you know, was throwing closer to around 30 times a game to a team I think could be throwing 35, 36. And that, while that might not seem like a lot over the course of a season, that's a very significant number. And right now, and, and I won't give all of this away, it's like 80 but or right, so targets, by the way, like that's, yeah, that's a significant right number. now. I have the Ravens as the one, two, three, four, four. I have the Ravens projected as the seventh most pass heavy offense in the NFL. As it sits right now, seventh most pass-heavy offense. That that is what my projection has, and and yeah. that is not an area where they have ever really been in in, in the Lamar Jackson era. They've never been a, a team that that's been a top ten volume passing offense. 
Yes. I think the interesting takeaway there is they're not in the elites. They're not in the top three or four. Sure. But that's a far cry from where they were in years past, right? I think that's yeah. the takeaway that I would take from, from that. Yeah, game. and I think when you, they are now in that clear, I think, second tier. Like there's the the amount of t- like the Chiefs, Cowboys, and Chargers and Vikings, they're in a class of their own in terms of how often they throw the football. They're throwing it 37, 38, 39 times a game. Um, they're not in that category, but they are in that next mix, which I think is is a really important element for Zay Flowers to get work. Because again, it is a crowded receiver room, but again, neither Rashad Bateman nor Otto Beckham Jr. is exactly a pillar of health. Nope. I didn't Either right now that. or in general. I didn't even mention that in my in my dissertation, right? That that's another layer to this as well. You know, because even prior to the ACL injury, Odo Beckham was known for what? Making spectacular catches and damn, he's missed a lot of games. Right. You know, I mean, let, let's remember what he was even in his 20s. So it's, it's interesting. Uh, the, the question's going to be is, you know, Mark Andrews is still a wide receiver one there, even though he's the tight end. Uh, so the question's going to be, where does Zay Flowers carve out his role in the pecking order uh, relative to these other rookie receivers? But I do think he's got a, a, a non-zero chance of, of – look, it's always tough to predict touchdowns. You, you need a little bit of luck there. But I think he's got a non-zero chance to be competitive in that, in that receiving yards market with those other three receivers. Yeah, you wonder if, if all three of them were on the field, right, at the same time in the red zone where teams would deploy their best defensive backs. And I think Odell and Rashad Bateman would get most of the attention. So from an opportunity perspective, there could be an answer there. So, okay, that is the case for Zay Flowers. Let's have a conversation about, I think, an interesting player uh, in Quinton Johnson, who's the favorite for the most touchdowns, but is the second best odds for the most receiving yards. And, Jamie, I have a tough time kind of wrapping my head around this because I look at this and I think of a guy who's more than likely walking in to this as the wide receiver three. I think the reason why he's the favorite for those touchdowns is because you think of the contested catch ability that we saw from him at college. You think that's probably doing a lot of the heavy lifting there. Uh, but for me, Keenan Allen's still there. Mike yeah. Williams is still there. They're going to throw the ball out of the backfield because of Kellen Moore um, being the offensive coordinator. We know he loves to do that with Tony Pollard uh, and Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas. So you know that's going to be a part of what they do there. And so for me, this is tough to wrap my head around. I like the talent, and I think he's going to fit in long term. But I look at this and I say, I don't see unless there's an injury. And again, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams aren't pillars of health. But Very true. he's already Zay Flowers. We can make a case that he could be the wide receiver one. If everybody's healthy in, in, in Los Angeles, Quentin Johnson's wide receiver three. And maybe four behind Austin Eckler. And <laughs> what do you do with Gerald? Well, not maybe. Will be behind Austin Eckler. And Gerald Everett. Um, so... I, I get why these odds are the way they are because you look at this list and you go, who is the best passing quarterback for these rookies? And it's clearly Justin Herbert. Which offense on this list is going to throw the most this year? The Chargers. It's the Chargers. Yeah. And to, as you mentioned, Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams have a prolonged history at, at different points and uh, of missing time. But my concern here with this, and this is why I might be willing to – discuss the touchdown bet a little bit more with Johnston versus the receiving yards bet is you're betting on injuries. Austin Eckler is going to get a hundred plus targets. Keenan Allen is going to be on pace for a hundred plus targets for, you know, divided by how many games he ends up playing. Mike Williams is going to be, uh, you could argue that Mike Williams is probably Justin Herbert's 
preferred receiving target, just given what his on-field, off-field splits have been when Mike Williams plays versus when he doesn't. And I get the sense, Jamie, and you can correct me if you're wrong, but or if you think I'm wrong, but I thought last year was one of Mike Williams' best years of his career. Yeah, and he has progressed into a more all-around receiver. They still have Josh Palmer there. They still have Jared Everett at tight end. I just there are even though this is an offense that is going to throw a ton and even more than I mean, I mean they might throw more than anybody in the league this year. There's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense, and just my concern is going to be where what are the path to Quentin Johnston getting significant snaps early on, and if I'm in the red zone, I'm still. I mean, it's Keenan Allen's been able to find the end zone plenty. Mike Williams is, is a premier red zone target. They've been more than happy to in the last two years to let Austin Eckler run, which is something in inside the five yard line, which is something they weren't doing early in his career. I, I just don't know if he's going to get the opera, even though a lot of their elements that you want to see are there, I just think there are too many barriers in front of him to really reach that top end potential in year one. I think there needs to be somebody out of that offense for a significant period of time before I, I would feel comfortable betting on Johnston to win either one of these. Jamie, I think we can talk about the complete opposite end of the spectrum when we discuss a lot of volume in the Chargers offense and I have questions about what the volume is going to look like in the Seattle Seahawks offense. So we can talk about Jackson Smith and Jigby here. And Jamie, my takeaways here, and I'm going to sound like a broken record because it's a point that I've brought up in the past, but it's a point that I truly believe in. And the numbers kind of back me up on this. But the second half for Seattle in terms of their passing offense efficiency was not very good. They fell off a cliff offensively. That hot start that they had was in large part because Geno Smith was having great success being able to throw the football. In the second half of the year, they weren't finding that similar level of success. We know that Seattle is always going to want to run the football. They still have Kenneth Walker. They added Zach Charbonnet in the second round. I still think running the football is going to be the the primary function of this offense. It is still going to be a top priority. And in year one, in 2023, I think JSN profiles in as wide receiver three behind DK Metcalf and behind Tyler Lockett. So a team that struggled in the second half last year passing the football, a team that has an identity that's going to be more run heavy than I think most teams in the league, and a situation where JSN's probably the wide receiver three for 2023. I look at this situation, I add it all up, I mix it up in the, what, what is it, melting pot? I, I put it in the melting pot and I, I stir it around. I mean, if it's... And yeah, I, I mean, if it's I, if it's I, hot I, enough in the pot, I, it would be the a recipe. Pot. I follow the recipe. I don't like the cauldron. It. I don't want it. I, I'm okay. returning the soup. the 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 soup that I made from the recipe, I soup. do not like. Yeah, so this is this is a tough one because I, I think he's the best receiver of this rookie class. But I also agree with you. I have the Seahawks at about 19th in the league in terms of passing volume projection. Uh, he is going to be the clear wide receiver three there. Lockett and Metcalf have been relatively healthy throughout their career. And, you know, part of me, it, it wonders, there's a little bit of this causation, or, or I should say cause and effect situation going here of, has Seattle not used a third receiver effectively because they haven't had one? Or have they not been able to develop a third receiver effectively because they haven't used one? Uh, so there's a little bit of cause and effect there to kind of trigger to figure out where JSN fits in year one. And we've talked about him as the long-term potential Tyler Lockett replacement. Uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be a guy that uh, I would eventually look at as a high volume guy, but they're, they're, they're pumping hundred plus targets at both Lockett and Metcalf going forward. 
And to your point, they they also drafted Zach Charbonnet to go along with Kenneth Walker uh, in a backfield that used like to use multiple backs, whether it was Walker and Penny, whether it was Penny and Carson, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Going back a few years, this is a team that's going to run the ball pretty pretty heavily. Uh, they've invested in that spot, and they've got two star receivers already. And you know, uh, Geno Smith's globe last year was was really nice, but if calling him anything other than an average NFL starter, I think would be uh, would be a little too much in my estimation. So uh, he's probably in the worst situation, despite I think being the best talent of this bunch. And I agree with you, Chris. Um, I know the name is, is sexy, but I just I I think it, it would need. A long-term injury, I think, to, to Lockett or Metcalf in order for JSN to put up enough in this year in order to be up in, in this conversation. And I think that's the biggest thing that concerns me about both the last two guys we just talked about, Johnston and JSN, is just that like I think they're going to need a, a something that we can't truly predict but is still possible to happen in front of them on the depth chart to really unlock their full potential in 2023. Also didn't even mention Noah Fant and Will Disley. And we know that the Seahawks yeah. like to utilize their tight ends in their passing game as well. And both of those guys, when healthy, are going to factor in. And in an offense that you mentioned, you project to have the 19th most yeah. passing attempts. It's a finite resource. And there's just not a whole lot to go around. And when a large percentage of them are going to go to DK Metcalf and are going to go to Tyler Lockett, because those are the two star receivers on this team, the math ain't mathing. You, you run out of numbers of targets that you can kind of yep. allocate to – to JSN without without taking away some from Noah Fan or without taking away some from DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. So well, I'm and, skeptical in that regard. And keep in mind that they don't really even throw to their running backs that much. So there, no. there's not like there's a lot of other areas to pull from. And, and I don't see them pulling targets back from Lockett or Metcalf yet. And and that's where it had to come from. It would have to come from there. And it really would. A little would. bit from the tight end. It really would uh, because they're just not using the other guys that much. I mean, it's really been a, a two receiver offense for the last couple of years. And, the other factor is, and you know, again, I hate to say it, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I would like to see Gino do it again. Oh, <laughs> like the I, anti I'm not Smith, the anti. No, Smith I'm just coming I, out. Wow, I'm just not convinced yet. No, again, I'm the second convinced. the second half was not good. I mean, no. just statistically, they were not good. They ran out of gas. They ran out of steam in terms of their passing efficiency in the second half of last year. Yeah, and, and I think that all the talk about them being very interested in Anthony Richardson, if he fell to them one extra spot was for a reason. Right. Because I don't think they look at Geno Smith. The Geno Smith's the quarterback of right now, but I don't know if Geno Smith's the quarterback of one or two years from now. So all of that just love JSN, but I just I just I don't think the rookie year is going to be the year where he really blossoms. Which by the way is okay. Like right. I know We're we've been spoiled in recent years with yeah, some yeah. of these guys, but like we used to talk what was the big topic for so many years? It was the year three wide receiver breakout. Yep. So now it's, give these now guys it's a year one. Time. You have to do it right away. That's it. I know. Give you these guys a little Jamar time. Chase. You have to be Jalen Waddle. You have to be Garrett and, Wilson. And I will, again, I do think this point is worth mentioning. This wide receiver class is not as good as the last two years is. Uh, yeah, agreed like 100%. We, ha we have to remember that. Like not right. all receivers, not all first round receivers are created equally in terms of talent level. This is not, this is a fine class, but it's nowhere near as good as the class in the last two years. The guy that I think is the best receiver in this class, Jordan Addison, next up here for us to discuss, the last guy for us to discuss, and then we'll answer these act, these props uh, and give you what we would bet on. Um, Jamie, I think Jordan Addison's situation mirrors Quentin Johnston's uh, situation, a high-volume passing offense. We know they're going to throw the ball a lot. I think the help for Jordan Addison that does not exist for Quentin Johnston is there's nobody stopping him from being the wide receiver too, and yep. all of the attention 
Literally, there are going to be hours of meetings every single week for opposing defenses of, we got to stop Justin Jefferson. We got to stop Justin Jefferson. We got to stop Justin Jefferson. And guess what? They're going to forget about Jordan Addison over here. So a good passing offense, a situation where he can be the wide receiver too, and all of the attention is going to get paid to Justin Jefferson because I think teams will, 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 will pin their ears back and they'll say, you know what? If Jordan Addison beats us, then so be it. But we're not letting Justin Jefferson beat us. And so that's what makes this, I think, a very attractive situation for these year one props. Yeah, high passing volume offense. Kirk Cousins is a more than capable quarterback to put up numbers. We can debate where he ranks in the annals of the NFL right now in terms of winning games and winning pressure games. But in terms of putting up numbers, it's done a damn good job for him and his receivers. And I agree with you, Chris. I I think this teams are going to, and we saw it last year, are going to force teams to go away from or force them to go away from Justin Jefferson more than they want to, which is going to open up opportunities for KJ Osborne, who started to break out a little bit last year, TJ Hawkinson, who they traded for mid season and Jordan Addison. Oh, and by the way, if they go into the season without Dalvin cook, I don't expect them to throw to Alexander Madison quite as much as they were throwing to Dalvin cook, which frees up even some more targets. The other factor here, the Vikings defense is very bad, <laughs> meaning they might be giving up a lot of points and might be throwing a lot late in games, which is going to add to that volume. Uh, I, I think I, I mentioned Minnesota Vikings right in there when that Kansas City Chiefs, Dallas Cowboys, Los Angeles Chargers group at the top of teams that I expect to throw the ball 37 or more times a game. They are a top five, te- top four team uh, in that category. So I really, on the surface, all of the stars align for Jordan Addison, at least on the receiving yards point. I mean, touchdowns, we'll see. He's a little bit smaller in stature. He doesn't have a particularly exciting red zone move. I do expect Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson to get a lot of play in the red zone. So I'm not necessarily sure about the touchdowns. And again, I haven't looked at my projections since we started the show. I'm going to go look at them when we have to make this prediction. And I'm going to give you my honest, unbiased from the numbers perspective. So, so I've just, just been ana- analyzing this from what my personal perspective is from just a, I don't want to say bias standpoint, but just from a, a an anecdotal standpoint, I'm going to go, go to the spreadsheets to actually tell you who I, by the numbers, projected for this. So your picks are going to be very specific based on your projections. You're yes. not gonna you're not gonna look at your projections and say I'm going to pick somebody different. Whatever the projections Correct. tell you is who you're going to pick. All right. My guess, my guess is that I'm going to have Addison for yards and Johnston for touchdowns. That is my guess. If I had to put it in my head now. I mean, I, can which I, I believe just, is consistent with what the odds can are. Can I share but, a take here amongst friends? Sure. Just throw a dart at the dartboard for the touchdowns one. Like, it's touchdowns. Like, well, it's sure. I mean, yeah. You, you are throwing a dart dartboard. Like, the yards, I can kind of work in my head targets, and and you don't, like, touchdowns, man, like, they're they're just they're just streaky. You need like, a lot. Where, where's where's our where's our Robert Tunyon a negative touchdown oh, God. regression? Yeah, we, touchdown regression. Yeah, the, the king of touchdown out? regression. Uh, by the way, it, it, no shock to anybody. I have Justin Jefferson protect, projected to lead the league in receiving yards. Really? So that, wow, that's, that's I'm, no shock. I'm, I'm shocked that that's that's the conclusion you came to after running the numbers. Uh, you want to give your right. answers first? I'm ready. So yeah, I'm scrolling. Uh, I, I want this to be revealed to me. Okay. In a clo- oh, it's a, it's closer than I thought. Okay. Okay, but I was right. Jordan Addison uh, comes in as the rookie yards leader for me uh, at 806 is where I have him. So we I do not have today. a thousand yard rookie receiver. We were just talking yesterday about 800 yard receivers in the national football league on TD and daily. Uh, I listen, Jamie, this is going to shock you. I think this is going to shock you. My answer. Give me Zay flowers at plus 400. Are you kidding me? Zay, Zay flowers at plus 400 in that offense. Again, I, everything I, I said earlier about the, the situation that he finds himself in, in an offense, that's going to want to throw the ball more. 
I think he's the person that uh, that capitalizes the most. But if, if I had to power rank uh, the how I would pick them, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, uh, Quentin Johnson, Jack, Jackson Smith, and Jigba in that order for me. That's on yards. That's on yards. Touchdowns, I have no yeah. idea what I'm going to do yet. I'm going to see what the projections I actually – I had Jordan Addison, believe it or not. I had Addison here for touchdowns as well. I have him at five and a half. Plus 220 um, for you. And so that that's just yeah. – so tell me tell me how you get – how do you get to that number? Is that based on – Usually it's based on it, – it's it, – how do I get – how do I get to a number – the touchdown in general? How do I get to like a half a touchdown? Well, just how do you get to the touchdown number in general? What what metrics are you kind of pulling so to be able to put that together? It's tougher for rookies, um, but in general I am looking at receiving touchdown percentage, which is essentially just looking at how many targets it takes on average for that receiver to score. Um, and it's a, lot, a little bit easier if it's the same team, same quarterback. For rookies, I kind of go back the last 10 years and kind of see what the average, you know, guys that have gotten 50 or more targets as a rookie, what their average touchdown percentage was, and I try to approximate it. It's it's really tough to project rookies in general. Um you can kind of protect tar- target share a bit, but the other stuff is a little bit tougher. But I think this goes back to simply like who is going to get the most work. And, and I think that's where we end up talking about where even though Addison, again, like I just said, objectively doesn't look like the, the re- is definitely not the, the red zone threat of this group. He's going to get a lot of work. And I, I'm assuming I'm going to, I'm going to scroll here that I assuming I have him leading all rookie receivers in targets as well. And I do, I have him as the only receiver to get a hundred targets as a rookie. Um, and I have Johnston pretty close to him, but it's because I do have some injuries projected in, but uh, it, he's got the opportunity. And I think that's where it gets exciting of, you know, can, if he gets a hundred targets in that offense, which again is, is very doable given how often they throw the ball. He's got a really good chance to put up some really nice numbers, especially if teams, Again, you're not going to ever completely take Justin Jefferson out of a game, but if teams limit him and they allow Addison to get open and Addison is on, you know, lesser corners, then he's going to have a lot of opportunities because I think KJ Osborne is also going to have a pretty nice season as, as a guy they can have uh, and, and Hawkinson as well. I think this passing offense is still going to be really good and they're going to kind of have to be because there's not much else that team's going to do. I'm also selecting Jordan Addison to lead these rookie wide receivers in touchdowns. And, and Jamie, here's why Here's why I think so. Tell me if you disagree with this logic. But down in the red zone, the thing I said earlier about opposing defenses wanting to just absolutely put a blanket over uh, um, Justin Jefferson, I think it's going to apply just in force in the red zone. Like, it's just going to be a blanket. They're just going to do everything in their power to kind of shut him down. And I think that's going to open up those opportunities down in the red zone. Because, Jamie, yeah. you can't I, – I think the one thing I, we would agree with here is you can't really project those – 40, 50, 60, 70 yard yeah. touchdowns. You're kind of looking at who's going to be in the best position when it comes to inside the 20 to kind of capitalize and get those touchdowns. That's the yeah. area where you can kind of predict. And for me, a lot of attention is going to be on Justin Jefferson. And so I think Jordan Addison is going to be able to put up the numbers and, in that area. And you ask why I put this together. Some of it too is how many touchdowns do you think the quarterback's going to throw? You know what I right. mean? Because if, you, if you're playing on a team that's going to have a quarterback that throws 30 touchdowns versus. Titans, if you're playing yeah, on the I mean, it, Titans, you're going to have six tough. passing touchdowns this year. Well, yeah, because like I mean, I'll give you an example here uh, of a receiver I really like with a pretty low touchdown total, um, just based on the kind of the offense they're in. Is like Terry McLaurin, but I have him at four and a half touchdowns. Yeah, it's, yeah, Sam Howell. You know, and, oh. and it, it's it just is what it is. You know, for some of these guys, and it, it, it's it's a case of you need you need to be like Juju Smith Schuster, like five five point two. I mean, it's just like some of these guys you really like, but 
you know, even Michael Pittman, 5.7. How many th- passing touchdowns is Anthony Richardson's going to have this year? So, like, part of that you have to kind of factor in as well. It's, it's volume, it's volume of passing touchdowns. And again, somebody has to catch on the other end of them. And if you have a quarterback that's going to throw 30 or 35 versus a quarterback that's going to throw 22, changes the math, changes the likelihood, at least. We continue tomorrow with more rookie props, and we are going to battle it out here on the show. It is Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud on the show tomorrow. We're going to evaluate these situations. We're going to look at the props. We're going to discuss the metrics. This is going to be a lot of fun tomorrow on the show as we continue this kind of rookie props preview series as these things start to pile in. And then we've mentioned it before, but Jamie and I have finalized the schedule. And when I say yep. Jamie, when I say Jamie and I, I mean very much Jamie. He's the one that put it in the Google sheet and then sent it to me and said, "Is this good?" Chris said, and "You're I good said, to yes. go." And I said, "Yes." So uh, that Rubber was my help. It. That was my help there. Uh, we have the next month plus of content yeah. already planned out with um, positional breakdowns from Jamie's uh, rankings for fantasy sleepers episodes for all of these positions it is going to be a lot of fun the next month we've got you covered here in a big way and of course if there's any breaking news that impacts what we do here on the show we will weave that stuff in as things uh go uh, go on but what you're going to have to do is rate review and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single one of these episodes because again the next month is going to be a journey you are going to want to be on if you've done all of those things you're going to want a friend a family member a co-worker uh, as jamie mentioned somebody that you meet on the street waiting for the bus yep. you're going to want them to your imaginary to the podcast. friend your imaginary friend, you're going to want them to listen to the podcast. So share the show with those people. Let them know about the Prospects and Props podcast. Takes on takes on Friday as well. Get your takes in to the TDM Premium Discord if you are a member there. Sign up for TDM Premium if you are not. Uh, if you need to send in takes via Twitter, you can tweet them at me, at Chris Schubert underscore. You can tweet them at Jamie, at Jamie Eisner. We will file them away and we will get to them on Friday's show. Appreciate everybody joining us here on today's edition of the show. We've got rookie quarterbacks to discuss tomorrow. Hope everybody has a great rest of their Wednesday. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.